We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Look forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's JIC 273. I am your host, Nate. Today joining us, he is gigantic, he is green, he is incredible, and he is the best fucking podcast co-host to ever exist in the land. You fuck stains. Welcome back, Tyler. I smash. Yes, Tyler Smash. These are getting pretty wacky, I, Nate. I, I know. I probably should stop at some point, but it's just like too fun. Well, and we're all because I don't really, and we're all amped up because we've like we're almost less than a week from Star Wars. I mean, there's only one more JIC before we'll see Star Wars mm-hmm. officially. And then, and then, like, like the next one, two seventy four will be the lead in, which means two seventy five, bro, is going to be our coverage of the fucking final Star Wars. How beautiful is that number? Two seventy five, talking about the final Star Wars. Well, and we've got, you know, we've got the Mandalorian this upcoming Friday, um, and then we've got the next episode coming out on that Wednesday. You know, the night before a preview night for Star Wars, so. We've got a good guest for the show next week, and then oh hell yeah, man! I would imagine that Wednesday night, um, you know, maybe late Wednesday night, we'll do like uh, a part one of the Rise of Skywalker, where we just do Mandalorian, and then maybe do some preview stuff, some some um, some theories or some speculation for the show, which we're gonna watch the following night, and then. Just roll right into some fucking kick-ass Star Wars, man. Oh, man. It's going to be glorious <laughs> to chat and have us all together again doing that. Like, uh, the conversation will be zany. There's going to be lots of opinions and emotions flying. I know that uh, just to just to go right off the top and be diving right into Star Wars like we probably will do anyways, uh, Richard Grant, re- did you see this or hear about this at all? Mm-mm. He was at the first screening okay. of the movie, 
and he said that what this movie was able to accomplish and the story, it, it, honest to God, it sounded a lot like what people were saying and, and how they were reacting to Endgame's ability to put a, uh, you know, a, a closing point on a series. Uh, but it moved him. He said he made him cry. It really? got him. And I was like, man, he's like a, a super professional actor who had to go out on Twitter and essentially say, like, shit made me cry, man. So well, that's, that's, uh, that's, you know. That's really good because, you know, you and I were talking in our warm-up for pre-show, like, what this current trilogy has done to divide the fan base. And it, it's irrelevant whatever side of that argument you stand on, you know, it doesn't really matter in the end. Um, but like we have heard so much negativity leading up to the release of this, this final chapter in the trilogy with, you know, last year, all the drama with Kathleen Kennedy, we never really knew what was going on there. And we still truthfully don't know, um, you know, what's going on, truthfully behind the screen or behind the scenes um you know with the head of Lucasfilm and then all the negativity from from Daisy Ridley saying you know allegedly saying things like you know she doesn't really care if she's a part of the franchise anymore or not and you know it's just kind of a job and it should be that I understand she's an actress that that is her job it should not be her life um but Star Wars is something special. And then, you know, we had all the drama with the, the, the reported test screenings that were god-awful and having to bring George Lucas back onto the project and, you know, resurrect or revive what could be, you know, somewhat of um, maybe more salvageable of a project uh, for fan reception and budget-wise. And then I don't know if you've seen this or not the uh, the last couple of days, and I know you and I have talked in the past about John Boyega, but he has zero interest in continuing uh, the character of Finn on anything Disney Plus related, and I think that's pretty unfortunate because even though I don't really care for him as a Star Wars character, I do enjoy him as an actor. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, okay, so it's funny. Talk about John Boyega. He was just uh, the guest on Hot Ones, and I fucking love that show. So I t- I watched him, and he, you know, he's very honest and whatnot. And um, you know, he says he talks about it. He, he doesn't really say he doesn't ever want to do the character again as much as I think. And maybe I hate to say a lot of times these people get misquoted because things get chopped up. Right. But like, I kind of think he's trying to diplomatically say like, there's no way. Like, Finn is probably going to die heroically in this movie. Okay. Ray is probably going to die heroically or martyrous or however, some form of, of grandeas way to do it that makes it impactful that hits you. Okay. There's no way you're going to finish. If you're, if you're calling this the finale, much like we saw with Endgame, and you can't replicate Endgame, so you can't just go, eh, we can just... We'll just make two kills and call it good. Like you got to be kind of almost, and I hate to say this, you kind of got to be Harry Potter esque about it. Mm-hmm. Like just fucking slaughter everyone, slaughter them fucking all, you know. And I know that sounds like kind of brutal, and people are like, "No, don't kill my Star Wars series," but you need to leave no doubt and leave like one person that saved everybody, and that's the only person that survives, so they carry the story, and then you can pivot the series and then to further on you know you talked about John Boyega and and, and I addressed that but 
to go back to the Kathleen Kennedy thing just for one second, honestly, man, here's what I think is going to happen. And this is because Disney can't lose face. They can't look bad. It, it it's it, it I mean, even though it does, I don't think it's in the long term gonna really matter. In the short term, it will affect stocks if they right before this movie cut Kathleen Kennedy loose and say she's done. Mm-hmm. It's more diplomatic to wait till this movie's out, wait till it's been successful and say on that high note, Kathleen Kennedy is bowing out of the role as president of Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and we're gonna be replacing her with, you know, John Favreau Perfect. or whatever. And, 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 or, or fucking who, Kevin Feige, who the fuck knows, bro? Who knows who that actual person's going to be, but whoever it is, they need to have that kind of Feige mind of like building bigger, thinking beyond moving every chess piece with seven different intentions, mm-hmm. not just the one that you're seeing in the, in, in the, in the imminent, you know, one, well, uh, cause that's, that's quality storytelling. Let me, I mean, let me get, uh, I want your most brutal, honest opinion here. Do you think, Please. you know, this being the kind of the closure or the ending of the, the Skywalker saga, which I don't think we're ever truly going to get fully away from uh, the, the Skywalker family. I think that Star Wars going forward, no matter what, will always have some influence on everything that has been, you know, kind of the ground that's been laid so far. But do you think that, you know, we talk about the fan base as a whole has been talking about Star Wars fatigue, and that's not really a thing for me. And I think now that The Mandalorian has come out and with the fan reception there and how successful Disney Plus is being, the whole idea of Star Wars fatigue isn't necessarily true. I think it's more Skywalker fatigue, and I think that we fully need to move away from Jedi and Sith and just have Star Wars stories, but I'm interested to see kind of your take on it. Okay, well, I'll, let me ask this question. It's rhetorical because you know the answer. So far in The Mandalorian, how many lightsabers have we seen? None, but we did see some Force action. Okay, a little bit of Force action, sure. But that that's with reason. That's within reason, mm-hmm. actually. Yep. Because and we know and we know all things live in the force like everything exists with the force, so we already are in a world where we can accept that. And I think Solo didn't really have lightsabers either. I don't think right negative. And I know I know Rogue One did because the epic hallway scene, so that doesn't count. But I th- I just I think that you're you hit the nail on the head but I think they're already doing the thing that you're saying they need to do. They just need to make other people more aware of it cuz like if you don't point it out, I don't think people would even notice that there aren't lightsabers. Like cuz uh, like right now you saying it, I was like, "Oh, duh, no lightsabers." And I was like, "Oh shit, there haven't Whoa, like it just blew my mind cuz it's one of my fucking favorite things about Star Wars, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, so. one of one of the reasons, okay, so we've had this is more drama, more conjecture here. There's been all the ups and downs of um, the Game of Thrones crew being removed from their Star Wars trilogy and Ryan Johnson's Star Wars project taken away from him. And then he's back, and then it's taken away again, and now it's back again. And, you know, that's in flux. No one really truthfully knows where the hell that whole project's going to end up. You know, there's there's all the the excuse me, all the speculation about how 
Star Wars as a franchise needs to go back to the Old Republic because that's what's going to revive it and that's what's going to re- revitalize the pro- or the 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 property in Star Wars fans' minds and I honestly believe the farther away you get from Jedi and Sith and lightsabers and and, and space magic the better because I love it. You love it, we love it, everyone loves it. But in, unless you're going to give me stuff like Darth Vader cooking down a fucking corridor of a spaceship and just murdering people, I don't want to see it. Yeah, unless it's impactful, it doesn't make sense to have the stoic sword fight. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like, okay, a great example, and, and we have ad nauseum on this show, literally almost 100 episodes, like, to the number, by the way, just so you know, I think 179 was our special on... Uh, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So how how that's pretty crazy, but like, uh, you know, the red room scene is redefining a lightsaber battle because it's not really Ray versus Kylo as much as they're kind of on each other's same side in a weird standoff, the enemy of my enemy kind of like thing. So it, it keeps it fresh, I you know, and I think. We're going to get a little bit more of a traditional Star Wars lightsaber duel type thing mm-hmm. in, in, in you know, the rise, the rise of Skywalker. I think the Rise of Skywalker is the ascension of Luke to his, uh, you know, Force we're going to see spirit ghost. We're going to see ghost spirit Luke for sure. Okay. Uh, and I also think that we will see a some sort of like in a really clever way i'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it like the, it, there's still some mystery but uh leia is going to ascend as well she's they're going to do like a disappearing thing with her like almost like obi-wan style like she's known all along how to ascend mm-hmm. and she was just waiting to let the troops go because you know where we leave everybody at the end of the last jedi the, the rebellion is down to literally the fucking bare bones it took everything in luke's power to save them it cost him his life, you know. Uh, so let me, with this movie and, and, and everything that's coming, and please don't forget your question. Let me ask but you. Like with everything that, go ahead, go ahead. Real quick, let me ask you this. Do you think that sure. at the end of Rise of Skywalker, we're going to get that feel-good moment that we got at Return of the Jedi, seeing Obi-Wan and Anakin and Yoda together again? But in this instance, we'll see the Skywalker fa- family together again where it's father and both of his children. Well, uh, interesting thought because which Anakin would come in? I I think you gotta you gotta do Hayden Christensen. Okay, you do you do the fair nod. I appreciate your thinking of that. Uh, so then, my next question: Do you ageify him or make him look all fucked up, or do you make him pre? Kind of how we saw him when they did the redo for Jedi. I think you. I think if you can't get Christensen in to shoot a new scene, you get his permission and just literally put the same image on the screen, and I would accept it. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, now off air, we talked about this a little bit, and my theory. We've already covered this episode, and if you aren't watching Mandalorian, then I don't really understand you at this point. Like it's the. <laughs> Highest rated show, the most watched show ever, streamed ever. 
It's the most streamed show ever already, and it's you know a little over a month old. Okay, think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but like in the sin, which was episode three, this is where Mando makes the decision, like, "Fuck y'all, I'm not gonna let the kid get taken by these motherfucking imperial motherfucks. I'm going in on a mission," you know. John and, Wick uh, style. He t- yeah, he totally John Wickifies them. They tried to kill the dog. But in this case, it was Baby Yoda, and he was like, fuck no, not today, motherfuckers. So in that, there was a couple lines of dialogue, and I I wish I would have wrote it down. I have this little pen pad now that I've been starting to write notes on, and for some stupid-ass reason I forgot. That also reminds me of another thing we're going to have to discuss probably at some point in this episode if we can get it in. Uh, but there was a couple lines of dialogue. Mando is using his listening-in thing on his blaster rifle thing. I don't remember what it's called, the plasma beam fucking shooter thing, a disintegrator, whatever the disintegrator is. Pulse rifle. (laughs) Pulse rifle. Thank you. Pulse rifle. Gotcha. Yep. (laughs) So he's, you know, he's listening in through the pulse rifle and he's hearing this conversation between Werner Herzog's character and Dr. Pershing. And Pershing is pretty much like, you know, he said to keep, he said to keep it alive. Okay. Very specific, he said. So we know whoever is putting Werner Herzog and Dr. Pershing in this predicament of having to find the baby, uh, that it is a he person who is commanding them. So who still has any power left within the Empire? And I brought this to your attention, but I think we're going to get kind of okey-doked. And the reason we're getting a tie-in with the Mandalorian is because Baby Yoda's DNA has something to do with Snoke. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what I mean by that. What I mean by that, and I know you already know this, but the audience doesn't know this, so this is playing along style. Mm-hmm. But what 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 I think is is the reality here is he says that he said to keep him alive. Okay, so that's important, and that they're extracting the DNA, and then Warner Herzog says to be done with it. He's like, no, he said to keep him alive. So what if the Emperor, because he's the fucking Emperor, and he's Chancellor Palpatine and has survived things and has essentially found a way to be right under the Jedi Council's nose without them having any concept or clue whatsoever. I mean, he's kind of the master of deception. What if at Return of the Jedi, when he got thrown by Vader into the kind of the heart of Death Star 2, what if he didn't really die? Um, you know, and but he was like close to death and essentially they find him they're keeping him revived. When he gets to the point where he can start telling them what to do, he says, look, I heard of a legend. I don't know if it's true, but I heard there's this baby Yoda. And they're like, baby Yoda? And he's like, Yoda was the greatest Jedi master of all time. Mm-hmm. He kind of breaks it down. He's like, Yoda kind of foiled our plans and made things take a whole fuck ton longer than they needed to. If there wasn't a Yoda, we probably would have accomplished things a lot sooner. And so if they extract the baby Yoda DNA, this is, of course, post-Return of the Jedi, pre-Force Awakens, so there's a nice 50-year time gap there or so. So, essentially, they start cloning the Emperor with Baby Yoda's DNA to kind of fortify and be stronger in the Force. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, these clones never really quite go 100%. They're, like, deformed and fucked up and never quite right, but they start getting closer and closer till they get to the closest one that they can stand because the First Order needs rule like they're about to ascend and they don't have anybody as a leader or at least officially or at least the first one that it's fully functioning 
correct. So exactly the first fully functioning one, he's not necessarily fully sane, which means it's possible that we could see the return of Snoke, a more completed version, a more less deformed version, I guess would be the way to say that. Uh, more of mind as well. But because they keep saying there's this tie into the Mandalorian to the Rise of Skywalker, and I'm like, that's a pretty big time jump to find a way to tie in. Mm-hmm. Like, what plot device are you using? And the only thing we keep getting down our throats that everyone's talking about this huge movement is Baby Yoda. So if we're all in the theater and it's like, we used, they're not going to use this. Don't fucking quote me on this. This is not going to be the dialogue in the movie. We found Baby Yoda's DNA and we fucking cloned Snoke. Or we cloned the Emperor and now we've created these kind of weird Snokey looking guys. And then like that's the backstory for Snoke. And then like we find out there's another test tube Snoke and he's like ready. And he's he, he and then see that creates an interesting plot device in the movie too, Tyler. Because think about this. If Snoke let Kylo Ren kill him and knowing he was a clone, one of two things is going to happen. When he comes back... He's going to be really pissed at Kylo Ren, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. So now Kylo is the bad guy who also has a bad guy after him, like the worst bad guy, as it were. Mm-hmm. Or Snoke is going to be like, oh, my God, my son, you are like the fucking bomb, dude. You are brave enough to fucking just murk me the fuck out, dude. Wow. Impressed. I'm going to add a third one there where Snoke doesn't know that he is a clone, of the, a failed clone of the Emperor. And then there's conflict between the Emperor and Snoke. Oh, shit. Then you've got legit master-level Force users, you know, just like Yoda and the Emperor all the way back back when going toe-to-toe. Now you've got that same thing kind of blossoming again. And I think that would really be, that would be really, really good uh, conflict on screen to kind of watch play out. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that could be a really, really powerful thing to see, actually, because it's like the the top of the wizard chain, as it were, mm-hmm. going toe-to-toe. And it's like, you know, in theory, the oh, do you, does that mean that you, oh my God, does that mean that your suggestion would be the whole time the Emperor has been healing since Return of the Jedi? Mm-hmm. And he's just been chilling in stasis while they've been trying to fucking clone him. So he's like, enough of this cloning shit. Well, I don't. I I would almost say that he's not even like in stasis. That he's fully conscious. He's fully functioning. He is just one hundred percent recuperating. Almost like, you know, because of all the promotional material we've seen, he's basically been just hanging out in the fucking the the skeleton of the Death Star this entire time. Um. He is in isolation the same way that Luke was in isolation. And perhaps oh. perhaps he cut himself off from the Force to not be found so he can fully recuperate, knowing that basically his, his body double in, the, in, in Supreme Leader Snoke is taking care of shit on his end, and then when he becomes fully functioning again, then he would totally resurrect the Empire, do away with the First Order, and that would be basically the second coming of the Imperial or of the, you know, the Galactic Empire. Um, I, I think you know that story almost writes itself, and obviously, Lucasfilm or, or Disney aren't paying us, so maybe it's better than than what we're riffing on right now, or or maybe it's not as good. You know, we don't know. Um, 
But I think, you know, you and I talked about all the articles that I've read here recently about how J.J. Abrams wasn't, and, and this isn't, this is from his mouth, but I'm reading it in text form, and I didn't hear the man say it, so I don't know if it's true or not. Um, but he had no idea that Ryan Johnson was going to kill Snoke off in the second movie. So, kind of the, the Sparknotes version of what I read in the article was the the cast of heroes go to this planet, and on that planet are all these basically incubation pods, and they open one of the pods up, and inside of it is Snoke, or like a copy of Snoke, which, come to find out, is just a failed copy of the Emperor, and then drama ensues after that, and that's what I read two days ago. So, again, I don't know how much truth there is to that. Possible spoiler alert there. I can't... I, I'm not even really worried about it being a spoiler because I... If it's true, then cool. It, it's still a major plot device and it's not the... What, we don't know how it's all going to resolve. Yeah, we don't yeah, know what the, the story is going to be. We just know that something's going to happen. Of course, we know the Emperor is involved. Like the wow factor, I think, will still be there. So uh, if anyone is upset about that, I'm sorry. I should have spoiler alerted before I said that. But I don't I, I don't know. The, the, the cat's not out of the bag on... Um, I mean, because who's to say that the Emperor is not a fucking force ghost the whole time, too? We don't... Oh, shit. We don't know. We have no idea. That's genius, dude. Oh, I mean, it, it, that's brilliant. It, Does that mean that the fucking ghost emperor versus ghost Luke? That would be the titties. Yeah, seeing force. Oh my god, seeing, it would be amazing. Seeing force ghosts interact with each other would be. It never happened before. No, like that. it would be pretty tits. Uh, so I have a question, Star Wars related. I want to ask you okay. what your opinions are. What's what do you think about all this talk? Uh, Anthony Daniels is very upset that this is the last appearance of three PO. Well, um, like he, they've came out and pretty much just said three PO is done after this movie. Um, I'm gonna do this in a couple parts, and I'll try and make it quick. The first part, well, take your time, it, do it right. The first part, it, it pulls at my heartstrings because we've had all the TV spots, we've had all the trailer releases the last couple weeks. And in most of those little little clips, there's that scene of 3PO and the rest of the cast, and they ask 3PO what he's doing, and he says, I'm taking one last look at my friends. And I'm, I'm a sensitive guy, and that character, even though he's not one of my favorite characters, has been a part of my life you know, for almost 30 years at this point, almost 50 years for for other people's uh, lives. And yeah. that character means something. And think however you want about Anthony Daniel, Daniels. I know a lot of people think that he's a douche and um, doesn't really care about Star Wars, just cares about the money. Um, I don't know, man. He's been pretty fucking dedicated, yeah. it seems. Um, I don't know. I because I, I have to take myself back in time and think about how you finish Return of the Jedi as a kid, and it's like, okay, you know, Star Wars is done, and then we get the prequel. And they live happily ever after. Yep, and then we get the prequel trilogies, and, you know, you, you get to Mos Eisley, and it's like, wow, 
They're on Tatooine again. I remember this place. This is where we met Luke for the first time. This is really cool. And then you see 3PO being built in Anakin's bedroom. Like, that means something. You know, what What did he do as for, for the narrative, for the heroes? Maybe not a whole lot. But it's still it's still a meaningful character who's had a lot of longevity in the series, and it'll be sad to see him go. Um, so that's the positive outlook. Sad to see him go. Take on it. The you know more cold and and real world take on it is they're probably tired of paying him because uh, Anthony Daniels is kind of a prima donna. But who gives a shit, man? Pay the man. If he wants to if he wants to put that miserable fucking costume on, let him do it because no one else deserves to put that gold fucking shiny costume on other than Anthony Daniels. Well, you got to think. He's in his late 60s, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So he's not some young fucking chicken walking around on set with this gear. He's fucking suited up and it's got to be hard on the body. There's no denying that, I, man. Yeah, I bet. So, like, I think it has more to do with that, kind of. The wear and tear on his body. He can't take it. Maybe, you know, it, okay, so the way it all sounds, thinking about that, the sacrifice thing that you said about taking one last look at his friends, makes me think that there's a sacrifice play coming here, that 3PO is going to have some integral part of stopping the Empire or Snoke or the Emperor, whatever, device the heroes are struggling to do you just said what has he done for the heroes in the narrative so far not a whole lot well this is his time to shine Mm -hmm. and it's going to be an emotional moment of him like recognizing well when i go to do this death mission it's a death mission like it'll be a sacrifice there'll be a guarantee of no return and that'll be you know bittersweet it'll be what we kind of expect from this thing i mean you literally are wrapping a series that's been 40 some years going you know i mean there's no, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but there's there's no replicating it. Mm-hmm. It's one in a million, so you just have to wrap it in a, in a, in the nicest way possible. But you have to give it some weight, because if they tell a story and they beat around the bush and every hero lives and everybody's okay and only the bad guys die and you know everyone gets reunited and raised parents were actually force ghosts or some you know some weird shit you know mm-hmm. and like. It's just too happy. It doesn't. It doesn't have any weight. And then everybody goes, "Oh, well, Star Wars didn't have any weight. It didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like everything was for nothing. There was no sacrifice. Reason there's so much weight to the MCU, because Tony Stark fucking sacrificed himself. Because Black Widow, spoiler alert, sacrificed herself. When I think too, if we're talking strictly Star Wars, remove Endgame from the equation altogether. The, the major sacrifice that we got in Rogue One, you know, that was so... That was one of the most well-done narratives and the, the the final sequence of Jin and Cassian on the beach together, you know, that that is almost... That, that whole sequence of events is almost perfect in every way. So I think with, at least with the fan base, the execs at Star Wars realized that it doesn't have to be fairy tale sunshine and rainbows and the fans will still love this you know because oh, absolutely. E- even in the original trilogy even in uh, the prequel trilogy like realistically it was all sunshine and rainbows at the end of the day 
You know, it was um, standard storytelling. You know, the first two movies, the heroes save the day, blah, blah, blah. The third movie, the villain wins temporarily. We know how that all plays out. So it's all it's all um, standard fairy tale storytelling at that point. But then you get to Rogue One, and it's like, oh, shit. We've never seen this on screen before, you know? Yeah, real stakes. Yes. So... I, I think I think they, as far as Lucasfilm and Disney, they set the precedent for themselves long before Infinity War and Endgame with what they did in Rogue One, and I, and I hope they continue that trend moving forward. Like I said, and we've talked about the sacrifice. I think there are several characters on the chopping block. I feel like uh, Carrie Fisher's death is kind of a foregone conclusion in the movie. Like Leia is not going to make it out of the film. You know, it just it doesn't it doesn't sit right if you do it that way i right. guess well and it, and narratively think, like, it doesn't make sense either correct it just there's not a world i see where that makes any 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 sense really so uh i don't know man i'm really i'm really jazzed for this the uh what, the big, what we're about to i'm sorry i keep interrupting you oh you're okay you're just as excited I'm, as I'm i am fucking, man i am i am so wound up but the one the one that's really gonna i i think would almost ruin it for me um, you know, as far as the sacrifice play or killing a character off, you know, it's 20, it's almost 2020. We all should be as fans of science fiction or fantasy or just TV in general or cinema in general. We should be pretty well, um, pretty well callous to losing our favorite characters. I mean, think back to Game of Thrones. All of my favorite characters, yeah, you- all of my favorite characters died. And if you have a good sensibility about you, think about Breaking Bad. Yeah, fuck off, Nate. But <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, like I think the one, the one above all else that would not sit right with me, and I think narratively would be a disaster, and would honestly ruin Star Wars for me. I, I, th- I think at least for a good while would be the death of Chewie. I knew you were going to say that, and it's really interesting, too, you being a fan of the Expanded Universe, and that was actually one of the... I mean, I remember as a kid yep. reading that storyline and them killing Chewbacca, and I was devastated. Oh, it was awful. And I thought it was one of the most powerful things, though, they had ever done in Star Wars. So, I, I mean, while I absolutely understand where you're coming from, like I think it would be a betrayal of the fans at this point... And also a betrayal of Peter Mayhew. Like, yes. you wait till after he dies to kill his yes. character off. That's kind of shitty. But, like, I do understand where you're coming from because there's kind of a purity about that story in the expanded universe now it was done that you can't replicate now. No. You, the, the characters aren't there to replicate it. Well, and especially, like, like, the expanded universe stuff with Chewbacca, like, his family gets fleshed out and his relationship with Han gets more fleshed out and how... You know, depending on which version you go with, like, there's interaction between Han and Leia's children and Chewbacca. And, like, I mean, there's all this other stuff that that goes on top of the death of Chewbacca that, like you said, there's not there's not a world in where it would make sense in 2019 to kill Chewbacca, especially after Peter Mayhew has passed away. You know, it just wouldn't sit right. No, and I think you know Carrie Fisher knew uh, Leia wasn't long for that trilogy or this sextilogy. What the fuck would you call it? It's six. I don't know. Uh, it's a lot. I don't Cause, remember. You know, 
But anyways, I just uh, it's different for her a little bit because her character has had her time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, that maybe sounds poor, but uh, she's had her opportunity to shine. And I think that Chewie still has so much to offer. And you could even tell a story with old man Chewie. I know that sounds kind of dorky, but you really could. I, I would like it. <clears throat> like if think about, and I'm just going to steal from its own universe. Think about the Mandalorian. Take the Chewbacca storyline. Have this character Chewbacca who doesn't speak a lick of fucking words. He just has, speaks Wookiee. So I guess he does speak. It's just his language that nobody understands. Unless you're Wookiee. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, give him some young character who is a young, you know, rogue bounty hunter, rogue, whatever the fuck you want to call him, who's just like, wrong place, wrong time, runs into this chewy dude. Happens to save Chewie's life, and he's like, are you kidding me again? Again. Another person has somehow miraculously saved me, and now I owe this guy a life debt. And he knows his time is short because he's Chewbacca. He's getting up there. He's not a fucking spring chicken no more. And then that's the story you tell, and this guy like kind of learns how to read and understand Chewbacca and like all kinds of madness ensues. I could just I could see it in my head, man. It would be beautiful. You're 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 hitting all the right places for me, man. I'm telling you. Touching, you know, I will say right spots. I will say You know what we're going to see before Star Wars, right? The Mandalorian. Well, you know, clearly obviously we're all watching The Mandalorian. There's no big surprise there, but if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to by proxy officially be seeing it because they're putting that Black Widow trailer before. Oh, yes. And I need to know your opinions on the trailer. Did you see it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are journeying into comics. Let's chat about it for a second. Dude, what? This is one of the most well-done trailers that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done in its entirety. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? Let me say, to, to back up what Tyler is saying here for the folks that are listening at home, and Tyler, to really enforce what you're saying, like the trailer in the trailer gave me the confidence I want to see this movie now. Not, I guess I have to watch it because the MCU is continuing and I kind of want to know, which is kind of where I was at before I officially saw the trailer. And then I watched the footage and I was like, holy shit, this gives me Bond vibes. It gives me Winter Soldier vibes. It gives me, uh, you know, obviously just the general espionage kind of idea thing going on there. The the idea it's more of a family concept too, and 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 it's a prequel movie, so it has its own place and time, and we don't have to necessarily be concerned with, you know, anything in the movie other than what the movie is giving us, because we know we're not getting a sequel to the Black Widow. No offense. I don't think they I don't think they're going to carve any extra spot out for her to do that because even if this movie does gangbusters at the box office like Natasha's story is close to its end. Well, and it, it, if you go back in time to when we first started to talk um at D23 this year when we did that kind of coverage show, you and I both unanimously agreed that Disney and Marvel would have to make us want to see this movie. They had our interest peak with the inclusion of the Taskmaster and some of the other, you know, cast of characters. 
but you got to make us want to see it. And when the trailer dropped the other day, I watched it, and from the moment it started until the moment it ended, I was hooked. And Disney, they must have heard what we said because they delivered and they made me want to see it. I mean, it hit on all the right notes. It, it lets you know that it's set in a place and time that's definitely before all the events that unfold because we kind of get the, it just kind of, they use all of her words that were pretty much her lines in Endgame to set up this movie, you know, about fi- finally having a family and the whole sacrifice play and everything. So, you know, and then you get Scarlett Johansson coming out saying this movie is 100% the movie of Black Widow clearing the red off her ledger. So when we in the first Avengers, she talks about how there's still red in her ledger. And we've never seen that cleared off. So this is going to be that time frame we get. I mean, this is the Red Room coming to life. Uh, All of the different Black Widows in training, we see them in like force. Uh, there are uh, some pretty awesome like action piece sequences in this trailer. I loved her and Yelena fighting, going like move for move on each other. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very impactful scene because it's like they've been trained exactly the same, and they they were just mirrors of each other. There was no no second guessing they did the exact same moves at the exact same times flawlessly it was very well executed very well choreographed for the shot just to talk about outside of the movie narrative and then like you get uh red guardian showing up and uh you know talking about how the suit still fits and like there's a lot of different lines at play here that i'm excited to see and i kind of think she's going to kind of go on the tear to the red room to kind of take that organization down Two things that I really, really appreciated from from this trailer is yes, yes, is yes. one we got some clarification on what time period it's set in. You know, originally it was rumored to be set in the eighties. It officially takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. Correct. It's the gap that we haven't seen yep. essentially. So now that all that speculation is removed, because would a a younger Black Widow story taking place in the 80s be interesting? At, at this point, if they delivered something similar to this, absolutely. Um, but I feel a lot more comfortable with this narrative now, and it, I, I don't even really care if I see Black Widow for the majority of the movie. I just want to see Red Guardian. Um, yeah. I just want to see Red Guardian and the Taskmaster, man. That's all I want to see. I'll say this. I did have one complaint about the trailer. Okay. I'm not necessarily 100% a fan of the Taskmaster design. I thought they could have done a lot better with it. Well, are we sure that that is officially even the Taskmaster? Could it be like... Like Like a drone of his? Like a minion. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I just... uh, Him using the bow made me kind of think, okay, well, that's... That is, well, but the course he could train. I don't know. I'm. I, th- it does leave me with great question and uncertainty, which is nice. But I uh, but I totally agree with you. I was also not thrilled with the um, kind of the artwork or the imagery of Taskmaster's outfit. I think it's pretty lame. It's just lame. his face mask, dude. Ultimately, the face mask bothers me. It's, I don't like it as a ski mask. It's pretty lame. It, it, it's weak. It's the only part of it that just doesn't jive with me. 
and 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 may, like you said maybe this is just like version 1.0 and this isn't the final version or some shit you know uh but man uh this trailer it it did it for me it really did i was very very impressed we get thunderbolt ross which is cool cuz what we get is the narrative a little bit to talk about what the timeline is we get kind of the narrative of thunderbolt ross asking natasha like what's she going to do mhm and she's like, well, I, I can't run anymore, you know, essentially. So she's done running. And it was cool because that's that's taking place, like you said, right after Civil War. Because the Accords have happened and she's got to go into hiding. Mm-hmm. She she ended up betraying the winning team and now she's on the losing team. And although, you know, officially Thunderbolt Ross can't charge her with anything, uh, you know, he doesn't mean he can't have a conversation with her. I also wonder if this movie is going to somehow, some way, set us up for the Thunderbolts. Mm, I would dig uh, that. I would dig that all be- day. Because you have Thaddeus Ross coming back, it would be super brilliant of them. I mean, listen to me when I say it. You're gonna be like, oh fuck. If they, if they after credit sequenced that Thaddeus Ross was dealing in gamma DNA and trying to recreate Banner mm-hmm. on himself. And then we get the Red Hulk tease at the end of this movie. People will fucking go nuts, dude. Oh yeah. Because it's not on the it's not on the it's not on the roster of movies we're expecting to see. It's not necessarily a movie that even Feige has said we that they would be interested in. So for them to make that tease would be maybe a big jump, but it's cool cuz his character's there so it is possible. Mhm. Um, but then of course that leaves me with the question, where the fuck were you Red Hulk when fucking 2014 Thanos was beating that ass? Right. <sighs> Dick. <sighs> He's like, I'm an old man now. I can't do it anymore. My bones hurt. I got to take a nap. He's like, the only thing I use my energy anymore for is getting a chubby. <laughs> or or eating my cream of wheat. Oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Oh. Gotta eat my Anyways, gotta man. eat my cream of wheat. Oh, that just gives me a gross imagery. I just like envisioned him like mashing in his teeth really slowly, like <laughs> like just chewing obnoxiously because it's cream of wheat. And you're just like, oh god, you don't have to do that. Stop. Mm. Oh, cream of wheat, man. I, we're gonna see that trailer. I'm for certain. <clears throat> In the uh, in the theater, and it's going to be cool. Of course, there's also rumor that we might get a little extended footage because there was some stuff that was shown at D23 that we did not see, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. So now I'm even more excited. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I'm I'm jazzed. I'm looking forward to it. We are uh, getting closer and closer to the rise of Skywalker, and I can't wait. But before we get out of here, we had one major other thing to cover uh, involving the Star Wars universe. And I just need you to come out swinging, bro. Episode 5 of Mandalorian, The Gunslinger. What did you think? Uh, I'm going to say top three so far of the series. Okay, okay. So I'm going to guess that The Sin is up there. That's number one. Okay. Uh, the Child, which was episode two, is up there. Yep, that's number two. And then this one is your is your three. Yep, you got it. Yep, yep. Uh, so, man, this was a very well crafted side quest for Mando. 
and it was just like everything lines up beautifully and flawlessly for his character because the Razor Crest gets all fucked up and he's like, Oh shit, I gotta I gotta dock and get this shit fixed. What what a killer fucking opening. We finally get to see the Razor Crest in action. Dude, that was an awesome fight sequence with the other bounty hunter. And the other bounty hunter's a douche, bro. He says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. I'll take that one-liner from the Mandalorian all day. That's my yeah. line. Poof. Ugh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But when he was having his trouble with the Razor Crest after this battle and he's uh, falling towards wherever he's falling... Did you have any inclination where he was going to end up? Uh, no. So I want to I want to highlight and stress this as many times as I can. We talked about it pre-show, but yet again, this show brought my wife, my child, and I into my living room to sit down and watch it on release day. Yet again, no other show has ever done that. Okay. That's awesome. So that does Ruby just like chill and just zen? Oh yeah, she just sits there and just. I mean, she Amazing. talks. She talks during it and asks questions and says cute stuff like, "Oh, daddy, look at baby Yoda. He's a goof. <laughs> He's a little goof." And oh, it, that's awesome. And it get you know it gets me every time. But like, your battle damaged. Your fucking engines are failing. Like. You go into emergency power, you hit the oh shit button, you get everything working again. You're obviously in the outer rim. I mean, we all, we as a fan base, we could assume that because he's trying to hide from the Bounty Hunters Guild yep. and the Empire at this point, too. Where else could you go, man? You got to go to fucking Tatooine and... The, the way that the scene is shot when the Razor Crest... You know, when when the planet comes into focus, like I, I told you pre-show, but like Ruby and Skylar were afraid of how excited I was because <laughs> I did not expect to end up back on Tatooine in this series. I thought that would be something that they would try to avoid. You know, we don't need like that's because that's total fan service going back to Tatooine. Absolutely. So I, I was thrilled like legitimately excited. It was one of those moments, man, where you're just like, "Oh shit, we're here." Mm-hmm. And you're in you're on Mos Eisley, you're in Tatooine, you know, it's like all these little things are clicking. They were there were so many. Okay, so first of all, I love that we finally get the scene that we've been seeing for since the trailer of the stormtrooper heads on spike mm-hmm. on the pikes. Uh, and it's really indicative of the world post the fall of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Like, Tatooine had a huge presence. And if you think about it, think about how little there was foot traffic on this version we were seeing of 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 Moss Eisley. Right. There was not very many people there anymore. Not the same as it used to be, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, a lot of that traffic was Imperial traffic. It was a lot of the stormtroopers checking in and... And, you know, uh, these are not the droids you're looking for type shit, you know? Right. So this section of the galaxy not only took a stand, but they said, look, the Empire's not welcome here. 
Like, because if you're the Empire and you see the fucking Stormtrooper heads on the on the pike, you're going to be like, uh, not probably going to want to come up in this place because I'll end up there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this like cool reef, I guess, reef foot trafficking of, of it showing you the fall of this empire and, and how the world moved forward. But the one thing that set me off, dude, and I am not going to lie. It's one of my favorite things ever since I was a kid. Pit droids. Really? Uh, Yeah, dude. For some reason, I really dig the pit droids. They're fucking weird and obnoxious, but I just dig them. That's fair. I really like the dewbacks. Oh, and that, oh, yeah, we'll get there. Oh, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But, like, Mando ends up finding this uh, Lady Pelly, is her name, and uh, she's going to fix up the Razor Crest. And I love that there's the consistent thing throughout this whole series, and I hope we figure out why exactly, because it's the why that we don't have the answer to yet. Why does he refuse to work with droids? Mm Mm-hmm. He keeps saying it, no droids, no oh, droids. Well, it makes no sense. Droids. It makes sense though, because the separatist battle droids killed his family. Oh, oh, that's very, very straightforward. Okay. Yeah. So Pelimoto is on Moss Eisley and he says no droids, so the pit droids are like, Oh, we can't help or whatever. And he goes and takes off to go to where where do we end up? Did they really go there? Oh yeah, they went to Moss Eisley Cantina, my dude. Holy shit. Anyways, so uh, it was fucking banging, bro. It was a cool moment to be back in those hollowed, this like hollowed area of history in the universe where Mando finds, well, he's trying to find work. He's trying to find non-guild work, which is becoming increasingly easier because they're like, we don't offer guild work here. And then he hears somebody saying that he can give him a job. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a new bounty hunter, bro. Uh, Toro Calican. Yep. He's he's a he's a green he's a greenback. He's green, greenhorn. He- He's never had an official bounty capture, not, so he's trying to not even earn an official his way member to the guild. the guild. Yep, yep, he's trying to make his way to the guild. Of course, he gets uh, tasked with capturing the well-trained mercenary Fennec uh, Shand or Shand Shand Shand, uh, who was uh, Ming Na Wen, who is one of the Disney legends now, along with Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, pretty pretty difficult catch actually for a bounty hunter like you're gonna go capture this well-trained mercenary that's probably gonna kill you so yeah good luck uh and he essentially says listen uh, mando i just need the like the glory it's kind of the it's actually the pretty much the same thing as uh ig 11 Mm -hmm. he needs the glory more than anything he doesn't necessarily care about the money so he's like you can have the money i just need to get into the guild yeah he just wants the credit Uh, He's like, okay, well, this is not going to be easy. So they, you know, are discussing terms or whatever. We get a cut back to uh, the Razor Crest where I loved this scene. Oh, it was fucking adorable and perfect. Uh, What were your thoughts on this little scene where uh, they're playing cards and shit and and offering up uh, motivators and stuff, which I thought that was funny. This R2 unit has a bad motivator. Yep. 
their gambling motivators. Well, and it, uh, it was a nice it was a nice character piece because you have to think like in it, just in the Star Wars universe, like the, the the galaxy is so big, and there are so many people in it. You just look like prior to Coruscant being destroyed in the Force Awakens, like that entire planet is one city. It's not countries full of cities. It's one city, the entire planet. And there are so many people, yet people are still detached. People are um, lonely. So, like, uh, most of our favorite characters from the series have some sort of companion. Luke has R2 and 3PO. Um... Dash Rendar has uh, what? What the what the fuck was his spot called? It was uh, Lebo. He had Lebo. Yes. Um, I mean, it's just like Han had. Bo has BB-8. Bo has BB-8. Han has Chewie, which isn't the same, but like, th- there's this theme of companionship while still remaining isolated. So if you're a person who doesn't have anybody, you're going to find companionship in droids because you can't do everything by yourself. So it, it was like, psychologically, it was a, I thought it was a real good character piece for kind of the, especially somewhere isolated like Tatooine, uh, that's not really going to be a real popular place to go. So I, I thought it was really cute and fun, especially, you know, uh, the child wakes up and starts crying like all babies do, and go get my blaster. You know, it it almost felt like kind of like a, a scene from Beverly Hillbillies a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know who was who? Pelly was right. Uh uh-uh. uh Amy Sedaris. You know, Strangers with Candy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was her, dude. It was a very, very like awesome little cameo she had. But yeah, totally didn't like, totally didn't recognize her. Yeah, they did a good job of descri- like while making her very crazy looking, disguising her crazy looking. It was amazing, <laughs> like <laughs> the crazy disguise and the crazy. But God, baby you know, Yoda's uh, so cute, man. Man, he, he she she pulls her blaster on him, and then is like, oh oh. What? He left you all alone? Like, and then she starts to go into mom mode, but then she's also kind of like, ha-ha, I'm going to watch you and then charge him extra for watching you. Ha-ha. <laughs> like, all, 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 always coming back down to credits, you know, and getting the dinero. Uh, he comes back with uh, the dude, and they're getting stuff, and he, or he, he freaks out because the child's not there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she's like, Shh, you're going to wait. You know, you're, we woke him up. I, it took a lot of work to keep him asleep. And uh, I'm trying to remember the whole episode, like, in, in, a, in, a, in, like, kind of a quick time capsule here. My brain's ticking fast. But, like, they got their plan set up. They were going to go right on the speeders, which is cool. Nice little touch back to Endor because well, they're the same speeders. Well, they're not the same speeders. Really? No, the speeder bikes that they're using on Tatooine are actually called swoops. Oh, so they're slightly different. So it's a, it's they make the same sound in the show, which is okay. But if you're a super like super super Star Wars nerd, remember that when you came and helped me with my Star Wars room, remember that uh, speeder bike thing that I had that was still in the box? Yeah, that's what they're riding. Oh. Yep, it's called a swoop. So a little bit, so, a little slap on the wrist for Disney for not calling them what they are. 
Oh, slight fail. Uh, uh, but they traveled to the Dune Seas on the swoops. Uh, Mando and uh, Homeboy. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? Toro. Calican. weird name. Toro Calican. Uh, but they go and they find, or well, first of all, they go and find some Tuscan Raiders, bro. How awesome was that moment? Dude, we want to talk about like all the Western tropes, like the, the outlaw, uh, guiding, uh, uh, somebody who's fucking green and inexperienced through the desert and, and meeting, uh, Comanche or Apache warriors and having to, uh, barter safe patch passage through the desert or through their lands, um, it was such a comical scene because it's like, oh, I, I see him down there. You know, it was nice to see the Banthas again. And it's like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And he's like, I don't know. Ask him. And he turns around and they're there. Pretty, he's like, oh, shit. Pretty, pretty comical scene for me, especially with like, you know, those are brand new binos. Well, they were. You know, like. Hand me your binox. Get away. Get over it. You know, we got to get through here. <laughs> but those are brand new. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want them, you know, like we're going to be now have safe passage. So they take it safe passage across Dune Sea and they find a dewback, mm-hmm. which you're a fan of. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a dead rider. Yeesh. Just That's unfortunate. That poor animal dragging that man through the fucking desert. Yeah, brutal. Very fucking brutal. Uh, so... Mando's like, hey, Toro Calican, you're going to stay here, fucker, and I'm going to go handle this. And he goes to handle this, and of course, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, And Shand is there to ambush them, essentially, and she shoots at Mando. It doesn't kill him because Beskar armor is, you know, impervious. It's beefy stuff. Uh, Huh? It's beefy stuff. It's beefy stuff. Yeah, it's beefy stuff. I love that. Uh, so they both kind of avoid her attacks, and then she takes out one of the speeder bikes in the fight. Um, you know, they eventually trap her because he goes, it, it becomes nighttime, and Toro ends up going one-on-one with her. And he's he's and, somewhat holding his own, which I was surprised to see. Yeah, not bad. He's not doing a terrible job. He's actually withstanding, and he didn't get killed in like 13 seconds like I was expecting. I was like, oh, he's dead. Super dead. I was like, he's dead, and then Mando's going to be there right after to take her in, and he'll get the bounty, and it'll be this like thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's not how it play at all. Uh, it's, it's essentially Mando's trap is to distract her with Toro. Uh, which works, and they eventually corner her, and she gets herself cuffed up. And then they still are kind of in this little bit of a pickle because they only have one speeder bike. Mm-hmm. And they need some way to bring her back. They got to go get the do back. Got to go Got to go find the that, that horse with no rider. And this is where, at this moment, the Mandalorian realized he had fucked up. Because he decides that he should go get the do back. I would have sent the fucking rookie. Mm-hmm. She's a master assassin, and you're just gonna leave him with her. Like, are you daft? Come on, man. So, of course, he goes away. He's been going, like you said, down the desert, looking for the do back with no name. 
trying to get out of the rain. And uh, while this is happening, Toro gets bamboozled for a second mentally. Because she starts to play him and is like, do you realize what you have? You have the Mandalorian, the guy who literally betrayed uh, all the The guild guild. on Navarra. Yeah, literally betrayed the whole guild and took the target for himself. Like, you could be a legend with just turning him in. That's all you got to do. And she's like, you know what? Undo these cuffs and I will help you. And we'll fuck him up. And I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting where they went with this. Yeah, I totally expected her to break out of the cuffs, kill him, escape. Uh, some cool conflict after that. And he straight fucking gunned her down in cold blood. Like Just pulled his blaster out and shot her to death. In the gut. Shot her in the gut. Yeah, slow, like, brutal ass death. Like, hey, thanks for the tip. Bang. You're done. And then you kind of saw it in his demeanor. He, like, stops being so nice and bubbly, and he starts to just, like, kind of become, like, very focused. Like, he knows now what he must do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it is not looking good for the Mandalorian, bro. Because he gets kind of bamboozled by this dude. He 100% gets heckin' bamboozled. I mean, he brings the dewback back. Finds uh, her dead. Dude was gone. Yep. Right? He finds her dead. Dude is, Toro Calican is gone. He and, took the speeder. And he knows right away what's up. He's like, fuck. Interesting now point. I'm being hunted by this dude. Interesting point, though, that I do want to kind of point out here. We talked last week about, like, the... One of the failures of, of last week's episode was the amount of time that that episode took. You know, wasn't really established. We don't know how long it's been since uh, basically the, like, small uprising on Navarro and now where they're at on Tatooine. But this information has traveled all the way, you know, I, I would assume from one side of the Outer Rim to the other. So... Every motherfucker knows. Oh, I absolutely agree. Everybody knows what's going on. And like you said, the time is there. You know, the guild has put out the hit. The Empire has probably put out the hit. Mm-hmm. Then they're, they're still tracking the child now. So, you know, don't forget or discredit that that's happening. So now you have people who kind of have double the motivation to find the Mandalorian. Absolutely. Cause you're, you're killing, and you're killing two birds with one stone. If you get them both. Correct. So now Mandalorian's like, fuck, I know exactly where I have to go because dude saw the child. Mm-hmm. He knows I have to get back to the fucking hangar where the razor crest is and shit's going down and shit sure does go down. Um, and Mandalorian has to fucking be a straight up gangster. I mean, the the child and and Motto are kind of being held by Toro, and uh, I loved he I loved how the the pit droids were cowering in like the the little shop booth while everything else was going down. Loved that. Very much their character. It was perfect. So he and and one thing I also loved is how he used something earlier in the episode uh, 
the flashbang, mm-hmm. which is how they were trying to flesh out Shand, uh, they, uh, you know, he uses the flashbang to disorient Toro and takes him out. And, you know, saves the child, saves Motto, everyone's happy. And then the pit droids become an accomplice to murder. I don't know if you thought that was weird, yeah, but I did. I thought that was pretty funny when she's like, drag him to Beggar's Canyon. Just drag this to Beggar's Canyon. Yeah. Clean this up. It wasn't even him, you know? It was like, he's not even worthy of that uh, nomenclature, as it were. You just call him a thing because he's d- disposed of, and it's like, wow, they're just going to go dispose of this body. Is that how it works now? Probably. Well, it's probably not the first time that they've had to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. Like that's like It's like, oh, that's kind of a real look behind <laughs> life without the Empire, you know? Right. Ugh. Uh, but then uh, he takes the money off of Calican's body to pay her, which I think is way more money than what she was going to charge him anyways, and it was like a generosity thing, like thanks for helping the kid. But I think it was also a thanks for helping the kid, don't fucking tell nobody about this. Yeah, also true. Like, we're good here, and she's like, oh, we're good here. I have no idea what you're talking about. Who? Toro who? Never heard of him. Toro Calican. Nope. Doesn't ring any bells for me. Uh, he takes off, though, man. And we get the ship taking off, and I'm like, oh, cool, they're kind of ending it like they've ended the past couple episodes where the ship is going off in outer space. Starting to feel like Star Trek here a little bit. And then they focused back on Shan's dead body, bro. What the fuck is this? Mm, we've got a mystery person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who you thinking it is? I've got a couple ideas. Job of a pinky. What's that? Job of a pinky. That's what the uh, the droid says when uh, Mandalorian goes to the Empire. Mm-hmm. The little fucking eyeball droid from Return of the Jedi. Job of a pinky. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no idea what that means. Yeah, I don't know what it means either. Um, I mean... It, Remember us talking about uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character way yes. way back when? Yes. Uh, uh, I'm going to read you a little, uh, just a little thing here real quick. It said, did episode five introduce Moff Gideon? More likely the cape and boots belong to Giancarlo's, Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon. A former Imperial officer who we have yet to meet in The Mandalorian, despite being heavily featured in the show's trailers. Blah, 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 blah. So, I, that's my first guess, uh, or first guess, that he's actually the, like, um, he's now like a hitman for the, for the remnants of the Empire. And now he is essentially the bounty hunter tracking the bounty hunter, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, the big one that you know everyone would like it to be is it possibly could be Boba Fett, but I don't remember Boba Fett ever having spurs. So that's not super. It doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't play with me. I don't think it's going to be Boba. I think that's too direct contact. I think this universe and this story is trying to set up a world away from Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. 
could it, you know, and, and keep it apart. Could it be uh, possibly some other bounty hunters that, that were rumored to be in the show? Could it be um, Dengar, perhaps? Maybe. I think that'd be pretty cool, especially with, if you don't want to include Boba Fett, include maybe some of the characters that have been featured the most with him, like Dengar. You know, IG-11 is essentially fan service for all the interactions that Boba Fett and IG-88 had. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to had a little the fan service nod to boss mm-hmm. with uh, I love Forlom being in the thing. Yep. 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 In Navarro. Yes. Well, and I don't know if you ever read this or not, but originally IG-11 in the, the first episode there was supposed to be. IG-11 and Forlom, and the Mandalorian was going to kill them both. Ugh. So, because we saw Forlom on Navarro now, and it's not for sure if he's dead or not, um, we possibly could see that character going forward too, which I would dig. Especially if we get to see Forlom and Zuckus, you know, because they're a team. Yes. Um, But I, I really think that it is this Moff Gideon just because of, like the article said, how much we saw him in the prom- promotional material. And if you look at kind of his outfit in that promotional material, he is wearing a cape, um, you know, the black boots, the whole thing. So that would be my guess on who it is. Honestly, I think this might be a home run. So mystery solved. I know we're going to know next week mm-hmm. because we're going to get it. Uh, next Wednesday is right. Am I right? No, 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 no. Hold on, that's, hold on. Stop, that's stop, stop. That's two Wednesdays. Friday, Friday, yeah, Friday the 13th, we'll get an episode. Yep, and then Wednesday the 18th, we'll get an episode. Correct, correct. So, five short days later. So, yeah, man, action-packed. I love this episode. I thought it was really well done. Good story. I love this lone wolf cub story that we're, we're getting with the Mandalorian and baby Yoda, which I wish they would fucking give us a name so we would... I, I don't think they're going s- to. Stop calling it... Well, they're going to have to call it something because there's a pop vinyl coming out, and they're not going to call it baby Yoda. I think it's just going to say the child. Oh, of course it will. Of fucking course it will. And he solves the mystery, folks. Ding, 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 we have a winner. Or it, it's going to say something vague like the child or the asset or or maybe it's going to be the target the target maybe or the bounty you know something but i think it would be super hilarious and it would be super tongue in cheek if the name of the pop final was actually baby yoda just because of how popular the memes are right now you cannot get on social media without seeing a baby yoda meme i'm a part of a baby yoda meme group on Facebook. Oh Jesus! No. Yes, I wanna. I'm gonna add you as soon as we get okay. done with this podcast. Um, okay. Because it is okay. some. It you is can. some good shit, my man. I like the good shit. You can. You can add me to the good shit. I'm a fan. I'm all about it. I won't ask. I won't invite you to uh, like some page 300 times, though. I won't do that. Oh, that's that's good. I, I'm kind of guilty of that though, but I don't like. I guess, I guess it's not that me. I invite the same people to like the same page 300 times, as much as I have like a bunch of different pages I'm associated with. So I try to invite people to everything because maximum exposure. Well, it's just it's here lately. You know, I don't know how many invites you've gotten, but it's like I'll get five or six invites a day from some random person I haven't talked to in ten years to like some 
somebody's business on Facebook because now you can hit the invite button once and invite your entire friend list with one button. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Um, you know that's cool. I like I like the functionality, but after the tenth or twelfth invite uh, a day of a day, I've I've had enough. Come like Jerry's rare emporium. You are now officially uh, invited to the Baby Yoda meme group. Oh shit! Did I just get this invite? Nope. Skyler, not yet. Skyler, I, I, I do have to give credit where credits due. Skyler invited me to it. So. Oh, she is the founder of the Baby Yoda group. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say that she's the founder of the group, but uh, she's probably the biggest fan in the group. She doesn't. She doesn't even care about the show if Baby Yoda's not in it. Okay. I have to accept rule five as the question. Wow, there's a lot of 12.1 thousand people in this group. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's all baby. My it's, all, it's all baby Yoda all the time, baby. God, we're pathetic sometimes. You know what? As a, Damn, as that's a spe- crazy. As a species, we are fucking pathetic. Tag an admin before reporting. That's what I have to write. <laughs> Trying to play by the rule, baby. Trying to play by the... Anyways, I love this episode. I give it four gold stars. Me too. All day. All day. Okay, hell yeah. Um, hmm. So, folks, next couple times you're going to hear us. Next week we've got a very special guest, uh, which is none other than the Journey Into Wrestling co-host, our good buddy Alex Buckles. It'll be a, uh, a glorious time there um, as we enter into episode six of The Mandalorian right before we get into the Rise of Skywalker goodness. At some point soon, which is going to be probably on the other side of the uh, the Rise of Skywalker, Tyler and I are going to get back and finish the Powers of X, House of X coverage. We're right there at the end. And I know you guys are eagerly anticipating our coverage, so we'll get back to it, I promise. Tyler, is there anything else you want to add before I throw these plugs out and we get the flunk out of Dodge? Nope, we got it. Man, we nailed it like the G's we are. All right, folks. Well, as always, you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast on Apple Music, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, Podbean, TuneIn, many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Subscribe. Get all of our podcasts in one spot. It's great. Or go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. That's where you can give us some money and we'll try to be more extra for you and give you cool shit and things of that nature and also have hot sauce competitions where we burn our faces off. It's going to be a great time. Fuck yeah. Um, but other than that, man, I don't think I have anything else myself. So, I, fuck, I, we're just going to go ahead and bow out, folks. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to Journey into Comics 273. I've been Nate. And I've been Tyler. And as always, pop your caps back, fill your brains, wish shit. Later, guys.